0: Father, thank you for this wonderful opportunity we have to study your Word today. Father, I thank you for the partnership of the Holy Spirit. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are my helper. And I don't preach this message by myself, but you are definitely my helper. And I yield to what's in my heart today for you to help me communicate uh, the precious Word of God today. I thank you that those in the room and those watching online were also partners together, that we release our faith on behalf of your will and your plan today. May your will be done. May your word come forth with clarity, with accuracy, with simplicity. Our hearts are open, our ears are open. Our, our, we're wide open to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for helping us, Holy Spirit. You teach us, you show us, you convict us, you declare to us, uh, you reveal Jesus to us, you help us understand us ourselves even more and we thank you for your power, your authority. We rely upon you today, and we give you praise for it, because you're the only one that's worthy of it all. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen, Amen. we're starting a brand new series today that I'm very excited about. And, and as I do, I want you to re- I want to re- you to recall our mandate that we gave you in the beginning of the year, I believe it's important today. So let's rehearse our mandate. The courage to what? Pioneer. The courage to pioneer is our mandate this year. And so we have six areas. Um, that we are focusing on. Let me remind you of those today. The courage to pioneer a lifestyle of prayer, the transforming power of the local church, turning believers into fully devoted disciples, training the next generation of leaders, loving a wide range of people, and fulfilling the Great Commission. How many know that's an awesome mandate? That's a lot of work to get done. But it is absolutely God's heart. It's our heart. It's what's inside of our hearts as leaders here at IFC uh, to help us fulfill these and have the courage to rise up uh, and pioneer uh, during a very difficult season in our world history. I remind you of this because this series today will help us fulfill this mandate. Um, In this new series, we're going to unpack 10 qualities that will move you from being merely a believer in Jesus to becoming a fully devoted disciple. Amen. So today is part one in this series, and we're going to talk about the price of being a disciple. The price of being a disciple. To be perfectly honest with you today, uh, for some time now, I have been grieved and troubled in my heart. I have because I've seen the quality of Christianity of late and it lacks in substance and passion. I've been so concerned about what I see, and what I've observed, being at this a very long time, because I see believers settling for a boring, comfortable walk with God, living a compromised life, and ignoring biblical truth. And because of that, I see that, that many of us are no longer um, representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ in the world that we live in today. And for that, it, it, it concerns me. It concerns this week. Um, whiny faith that people have. It concerns me that we just can live any old way we want to and and still call ourselves believers and still call ourselves what we once were, maybe at once upon a time, but with circumstances and COVID and life and challenges, man, I, I we, we've, we've turned into some of these whining Christians who have the Lord Jesus as our Savior and King, and man, we're acting like these little babies. I'm already bolder than I was in the first service. Something about the second service. Um, so you better stay tuned today. That's for sure. Amen. Now, before we get started, I want to take a moment, and I want to ask. I want you to ask yourself these questions. Let's get a get our focus on where we're going today. Where am I in my relationship with God? It's a good question for you to ask today, whether here in the room or joining us online today. Am I just a believer in Jesus who does the church thing every now and then as long as nothing else comes up? Or am I, a passionate, am I passionately pursuing what it means to be a fully devoted disciple of Christ? Maybe it's important that you take a moment and ask yourself that question. Really determine, who are we? Who are you? Are you just a believer in Jesus out of convenience? Or are you really a disciple of Christ and you're passionately pursuing what that means? Many people believe in Jesus, but I've discovered that not as many of us are disciples, so that we are all on the same page for this series, let's define the difference between a believer and a disciple. Let's set the tone for these next weeks. A believer is someone who gives intellectual assent to the truths of the Bible and may occasionally feel close to God. But disciples are so overwhelmed by those truths that the reality of God that the reality of God, that everything in their lives revolves around Jesus. It's a big difference. There's a lot of us, a lot of people that are believers, and they give mental assent to God's Word. It's all up here. It's all knowledge. It's all things that we hear and have heard, but not necessarily are we applying them to our lives. So there's many believers that that, that serve God out of this intellectual ascent, out of this mental ascent. And every once in a while, they get close to God. Every once in a while, a song is sung, and maybe they, they feel the presence of God. Or every once in a while out of crises, they'll cry out to God in their home or in the midnight hour, and they'll feel something that, that stirs their heart. But disciples are so overwhelmed by these same truths, and the reality of God that makes everything in their lives revolve around Jesus. So let's declare this today. Let's, let's find out about this today, because my prayer for you is by the time this series is over, that you'll be on a journey to become a disciple of Christ. Amen. Recent research by Barna Group found out that nine out of 10 Americans believe Jesus was a real person. But only four in ten said they've experienced receiving Jesus in their hearts as their Lord and Savior. And even when that more committed group was asked to define and describes their hope for the future and their goals in life, the vast majority mentioned careers, their families, and their hobbies and said nothing about fulfilling God's purpose for their lives. It would appear that very few people who claim to be Christians rank knowing, loving, and following Jesus as their number one priority. Most are believers, but not many are disciples. Let's look at the difference. I've listed listed seven of them for you. Seven that make a stark difference between who and what a believer is and who and what a disciple is. Number one, believers believe in Jesus as their Savior, but live to please themselves. Disciples believe in Jesus as Lord and live to please God. That's a very important distinction. Amen. All of us begin our walk with faith, all of us in need of forgiveness, in need of affirmation from God. But many of us never grow beyond the perception that God exists for our benefit, Disciples turn the corner and they realize there's more. They take it to a different degree, if you will, and they realize they're blessed not just to be blessed, they're blessed to be a blessing. They live to honor the one who rescued them from death and given them hope for the future. Disciples don't focus on what God can do for them, but they focus on how they long to serve God and serve others. It's a big distinction. Number two, our second comparison is believers exalt their opinions, feelings, and thoughts above the Word of God. Disciples exalt the Word of God above their opinions, feelings, and thoughts. It's a big difference. Believers focus only on the passages that promise them what God will do for them, but disciples take seriously the whole counsel of God's Word. Disciples follow God whether they agree with God's Word or not whether they understand God's word or not, or whether it's easy or not to obey. Believers are cafeteria Christians. A little bit of this, a little bit of that, no vegetables for me, please. But disciples, they realize that it's all important and it's all necessary whether it's easy for you or not. The third comparison is believers think of church as a place they go to to hear what God's word says. Disciples think of church as a place they learn to do what God's Word says. It's a big difference. Many go to church to be entertained, and if they will complain that they don't like the sermon, some of you might be complaining before the service is over. Disciples have open ears and eager hearts to listen. They plan to take action. They come to church knowing they're going to be challenged. And they take on that challenge to become actively involved in the word they hear. They don't pick and choose. Yes. Amen. Good. Number four comparison is believers so serve God if it's convenient. Disciples serve God based on conviction. Wow. Many people give and serve only if it doesn't cost them very much. But disciples give, love, and serve like Jesus even at great cost. Our fifth comparison is believers try to impress God by being religious. Disciples seek to know God through a relationship. See, believers and disciples appear to do some of the same activities, but their motives are miles apart. Many Christians try to impress God and those around them by going to church and being involved and serving. But disciples do the same things but, they, but, but to know God better and to reflect His goodness and greatness to everyone there's a big difference. And our sixth comparison is believers follow God as long as everything is going well. Disciples follow God regardless of the circumstances. Wow. Believers and disciples have very different breaking points. Believers stick around as long as God seems to be blessing them and life is easy. But disciples keep pursuing God and trusting Him even when their world is falling apart. This has never been more um, obvious than during this worldwide pandemic. It's never been more obvious that when life became difficult and life became hard and we couldn't go to church and we had to wear a mask and we had to be distant and we couldn't be in church and we got bored by watching online, it's never been more obvious the breaking point between believers and disciples. We have learned more than ever how many more believers we have amongst us than we do disciples than during this corona time season. There are people that I try to call to find out where they are. They used to return my call. They don't return my call anymore. Where are they? Are they dead? They're still with us? What's going on? What's happening? People that once were regular, I mean regular in church and tithed and gave offerings and served and so forth, and suddenly because life got hard, we found out where their breaking point was. Then there are others that pursued, there are others that said, you know what, I know life is tough, but my God is stronger. I know that life is tough right now, but God's word comes alive in my heart. I'm not going to be moved by what I see around me. Oh, it was tough. And maybe we took some dips over the last 12 months. No doubt we did. I know I did. But man, God's word comes alive, comes to our rescue, comes to our aid. And we realize, man, this is no big deal for God. We can do this thing. We can serve him. We can keep pressing through. I'm not just going to be a believer. I'm not going to be one that breaks down when life gets tough. When life gets tough, man, disciples stand up and say, I know know who my Redeemer is and I'm going to serve him all the days of my life. Amen. Number seven, finally, believers choose their own path and ask God to bless it. But disciples ask God to reveal the path and they follow it. Believers are self-focused. They determine their own goals and then they expect God to help them fulfill their own goals. Disciples start with God's will. We start with God's purpose. We start with God's heart. It's not about you. It's about God and his purpose for your life. They look to him for direction, and then they're eager to follow his leading. Wow. That's so good. But it's only seven. There's so many more I could have given you. But you can see the stark difference between a believer and a disciple. So we're going to investigate this and help us understand which one are we. Which one do we want to be? What part of our walk with God needs to grow from simply being a believer to truly being a disciple of Christ? After his resurrection and before his ascension, Jesus, um, left before he left his followers, he gave us a very important mandate. It's called the Great Commission. We read about the Great Commission in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Jesus came and called His disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age." See, Jesus gave us a clear directive. He said, He didn't tell us, he said, not not to make believers or even create impressive organizations or even to build beautiful buildings. He told us and he gave us a mandate before we left to make disciples in every nation of the world. It's intentional. We're not born disciples, we're made disciples. You don't one day become a disciple. It's on your intentionality that you purpose in your heart to become a disciple. He said to make them. That there there has to be a process. There has to be a a part that we play. There's a building of of disciple. It takes years to truly be a disciple. It takes discipline. It takes work to make sure that you are part of the process, that you're being made into something. You're being made into God's plan and purpose, that you're not settling for something that, that is easy, but you're willing to put in the work to be a disciple. Amen. And before we talk about the number one price of being a disciple, first of all, let's define what is a disciple. The Greek word translated disciple means one who learns, one who learns. Now, this is not one who learns just to learn. This is not a passive learner. This is an active learner. This is not just a passive learner to gain more knowledge or to gain more understanding. This is an active learner, meaning they actively learn to apply what they learn. Amen. The purpose of Jesus' teaching was never just about learning. The purpose of Jesus' teaching was never about just to gain more knowledge, but always about transformation. So a disciple is committed to hear, learn, and do what Jesus taught for the purpose of transformation, to be more like Jesus. Many people come to church or read their Bible or study their Bible to gain more knowledge, to have more understanding. But they're still as messed up as they were before they gave their life to Christ. See, learning about Jesus was not meant for you to stay the way you are. Learning about Jesus is to become transformed, to become more like Jesus. Amen. And less like your old nature. Less like that person that used to cuss out and F everybody off and, and, and give a finger in, the, in, 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 in traffic and, 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 and just, you know, give a, a person a piece of your mind and, and, and fool around and live any own, any own way you want to. When you give your life to Christ, there should be something about you that says transformation. Woo! Something about you that says, I'm no longer like I once was. Now, I'm a work in progress. And I might drop an f-bomb every once in a while. Now, I personally don't, but, but you might uh, you might, you know drop an f-bomb every once in a while, or you might lose your cool and be, lose your anger and get all messed up in, in some kind of conflict every once in a while. We're a work in progress, no doubt. We're not where we once were, but we are sure far away where we used to be. We're on our way somewhere. Come on, somebody, right? So you who come to IFC, we're not looking for perfection, we're just looking for progress, right? Progress. Are we progressing? See, a disciple is it all about transformation. What can I change about my life today? What can I be better at? How can I be a better husband? How can I be a better wife? How can I be a better teenager? How can I be a better young adult? It's all about transformation. It's all about becoming more like Jesus, not you just saying, well, this is me, get over it. Believer. All right, thank you for your enthusiasm. Let's talk, about <laughs> Let's talk about the price of being a disciple. The number one price of being a disciple is number one, passionately committed to Jesus Christ. Passionately committed to Jesus Christ. So what is it that turns a bored, self-absorbed believer into a passionate disciple of Christ? Well, there were three things I want you to understand today in the next few minutes we have left. Number one, pleasing God takes precedence over pleasing people. Pleasing God takes precedence over pleasing people. One day while Jesus was teaching to a large gathering of people, many of which that were following him from place to place, it sounds like Jesus got frustrated by their superficiality, got frustrated by uh, why they were following him. It was the cool thing to do. They were being fed. They were, their needs were being taken care of. And Jesus realized that, that so many that were following were just doing it just for such superficial reasons. And so seemingly disgusted by the superficial devotion to him, Jesus turned to the people and spoke to them in the strongest possible terms. He said this to that crowd that day in Luke 14, 25. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their own cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Oh my goodness, there's that word disciple again. If Jesus wanted to keep the crowd's attention, he needed some help in some marketing strategy because that statement alone, if you weren't serious about serving God, would chase you away. That was the purpose. The purpose was to get their attention. The purpose was to help them understand. But maybe he wasn't about... Um, you know, popularity, maybe he had a different goal. Maybe it wasn't about being cool. maybe it wasn't about being the number one person on the preaching list that day. Maybe it was something more interesting, like helping people become true disciples and and just not being wildly attractive. in this short statement, Jesus makes two extremely blunt points. please don't miss their meaning. He says to those who want to be his disciples, he says to them, you have to hate the people in their family and the people they naturally love the most. You think, what? Wait a minute. Hold on. Now, please understand what this means. Don't misunderstand. He's not commanding his followers to be cruel to people. He, that would be the opposite of everything he's ever lived and taught. Often Jesus taught in hyperboles think, what in the world is in a hyperbole? A hyperbole is an exaggerated statement, not meant to be taken literally, but it's an overstatement for the purpose of comparison. In order to make the point with maximum impact, what Jesus means by telling us that we have to hate the closest family members to us, he is making a stark comparison. Our love, our devotion, and our priority of honoring Jesus should be so strong that our love for family members will look like hate in comparison. That's what he's saying. He's saying more than ever, I need to be number one. More than ever, your mother-in-law, your father-in-law, your mom, your dad, as close as you are, as much as you are close to your family, as much as you love yourself, they all, in comparison... Yes, you honor your mother and your father. He taught us that. Why would he tell us to do something different than he taught us? Yes, you honor your mother and your father. Unless you love your family. And yes, you serve them and honor them. And yes, you you value them. And absolutely, all those things that Jesus taught us about that. But let me tell you something. We always tend to put family first, but God comes before family. Let me tell you something, right after God, there's no doubt there's your family. I'm not suggesting anything else should be different about that. But we have to understand something, he's trying to help us here. He's trying to say, hey, 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 I know the pool is strong with your family, and I know their opinions are strong, and I know their their attitudes about you serving God, they think you're kind of strange, they kind of almost rather you be on drugs and be normal than be a Jesus freak. They'd almost rather you be out partying Friday night than going to that prayer meeting. And, 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 and what's that language you're praying to? What is, what is all that? Right? So he's telling us here, if you're going to be a disciple, your love for me, your love for my word must rank as number one. When we put anyone higher than Jesus in our hearts, we are but believers, but we are not disciples. The second startling part of Jesus' statement that turns a bored, self-absorbed believer into a passionate disciple of Christ is number two, we follow God regardless of the cost. We follow God regardless of the cost. Luke 14, 27 again, we read, And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. He's again speaking figuratively. Let's begin by what Jesus did not mean by this statement. Many people interpret the cross as some burden they must carry in their lives, like a strained relationship, a thankless job, or a physical illness. And then with self-pity pride, they say, after all, pastor, that's my cross I'm supposed to bear. Such an interpretation is not what Jesus meant here. Take up your cross and follow me. What does he mean? Well, Luke 9.23 gives us a little bit more insight. It says, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. See, today we wear crosses around necklaces and, and as tattoos, But in the first century, the cross wasn't jewelry or art. The cross was an instrument of state-sponsored torture. When Jesus said that his disciples would be people of the cross, he was instructing them that there will be times when staying true to Jesus demands the deepest devotion and the greatest sacrifice. Being a disciple is not for the faint-hearted. The paradox is that salvation is free. It's a wonderful gift from the hand of God, but receiving it costs us everything. Let me tell you something. God doesn't want your, just your one hour on Sunday morning. He doesn't want you enduring the hour or so here in the building or you enduring your hour in your pajamas at home. God wants more than your one or two verses of Scripture every now and then throughout the week. God wants more than a few of your dollars and a few of your hours that you might do when it's convenient. God will say, hey, 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 I want more than just your little piddly things that you give me, thinking that you're a good Christian when you do them. He wants everything you've got. Your body is his. Your career is his. Your money is his. Your family is his. Your time is his. Your talent is his. It all belongs to him because you belong to him. Now listen, picking up your cross daily represents loyalty, sacrifice, obedience, devotion, commitment, dying to self, and daily surrender. When you say my cross is this nagging, manipulative wife, or my cross is my loser, clueless, selfish husband, that's not your cross. He needs the devil cast out of him. She needs to grow up and go get professional counseling. Has nothing to do with the cross. When your children are rebellious, they need counseling. They need discipline. That's not your cross, parents. Right? I don't mean to be rude, but your, your sickness is not your cross. Thank God for Jesus. Thank God for his word. Thank God for medicine. Thank God for doctors, right? Right? Amen, your issues of your past. Yeah, maybe counseling is necessary and maybe a renewed mind in applying God's word to those areas of your life, but your cross is not situations or circumstances. Your cross is what's inside your hearts. Your cross is your undeveloped character, meaning that you're gonna develop the real you. That's your cross. Your cross is loyalty to God when they make fun of you at work. Your cross is loyalty and sacrifice when they, when, they, when you have to stand up for Jesus and everybody thinks you're nuts or crazy or your obedience and devotion and commitment is suffering for righteousness' sake. You're dying to self because you could go back and drink Friday night, but you made a decision not to. You could go back and get high again, but you made your decision not to. That's your cross denying yourself and every day dying to yourself and every day saying I'm better than getting high I'm better than a one night stand I'm better than living my life any old way I want to that's not who I am anymore I'm a child of the most high God Jesus has set me free I'm redeemed I'm on my way to heaven that's picking up your cross daily and serving him and that'll help you today Let me tell you something, you no longer, let me tell you, by the time this service is over and this series is over, you will not want to be a believer another day in your life. It'll make you get to heaven, no doubt. It qualifies heaven for you. But let me tell you something, there's so much more to live here on this earth and that goes to those who are disciples. Man, that's good preaching. Come on. So it's not about situations and circumstances. Please don't blow this. Please don't don't go there where some people go. And it's so traditional. It's so the wrong way that Jesus never taught that our circumstances and situations were our cross. It's about the condition of your heart. It's always about personal transformation. Every day becoming more like Jesus. Every day dying to yourself. Every day swearing less. Every day doing less things that are like you once were, and every day saying, I'm going to be a better husband. I'm not going to lose it as much as I am. I'm going to be a better wife. I'm going to be a better child. I'm going to be an on fire for God teenager. I'm going to be a young adult that serves God and keeps myself pure and ready for marriage. I'm not going to compromise. I'm going to stand my ground. I'm going to be a virgin until the time is right. I'm going to stand up and worship God and be that example. That's your cross. You get it? That's what we pick up daily. That's what IFC stands for. That's who we are. Amen. And that's who we will be. Listen, we're living in the last days. And seeing where our nation is, we're going to find out real quick, are you a believer or are you a disciple? We're going to find out real fast. Man, when it's no longer very popular serving Jesus, and getting less and less all the time. And more and more of our privileges are being taken away from us. And more more of what we do is being categorized as things that they're not supposed to be categorized by. And freedom is not as free as it once was. And we're going to find out real fast, were you serving God because you were coasting along comfortable? Or are you really a disciple? Mm, 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 mm. All right. You glad you came today? Aren't you glad you stayed home? (laughs) So what is it that turns (laughs) bored, self-absorbed believers to passionate followers of Christ? Number one, pleasing God takes precedence over pleasing people. We follow God regardless of cost. And finally, number three, life becomes extraordinary. Life becomes extraordinary extraordinary. One of the most important principles of spiritual life is the upside-down nature of being passionate about Jesus. The Bible tells us to be great, you got to serve selflessly. To be filled, you got to empty yourself. To have true riches, you got to give generously. To save your life, you got to give it all to God. Does it make sense? This walk with God, the kingdom of God is upside down, right? We don't have no natural understanding of of living our lives this way. But once in Christ, we realize that this truly is the way to live an extraordinary life. It truly is God's plan. People are afraid of being totally devoted to Jesus because they they think it's going to make them weird. And to be honest, we know a lot of weird Christians. Mm, We'll leave that alone. But actually... Actually, passionate devotion to Jesus results in more love and more power than we could ever experience and imagine. Life isn't dull or bitter anymore. You know why? Because you're not living for yourself. You're not a whiner anymore. You're not a drama queen anymore. You're not a drama king anymore. You realize life is not about you. Life is about obeying God. Life is about blessing others. Life is about giving it away. Life is about waking up every day on assignment. Waking up every day with a purpose. Waking up every day realizing you're on your way to heaven. You're redeemed, you're blood-bought. Yeah, life isn't perfect. And yeah, life has its ups and downs and its challenges, no doubt. But something about when you put God first, something about when you truly become a disciple of Christ, life becomes extraordinary. It's no longer about you. It's now becoming more like Jesus. And every day you're on assignment. Every day it's about purpose. Every day it's about who can I bless. Every day it's about not what I can get away with or not what I can hide from, but what can I do to make my world a better place? Every day at school, every day online, every day in the neighborhood, every day as, as things begin to open up, what is it about my life that I can make a very difficult situation even better? After Paul described the Gospel to Christians in Rome, he explained that God's grace radically transforms our motivations, our desire, our thoughts, our direction. Under the Holy Spirit's control, even our normal everyday filled life becomes an adventure by following Christ. Here's what Paul wrote in Romans 12. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. That's a good word today. That's a good word today. See, when the passion of Jesus fills your heart, you won't be an ordinary worker anymore because you'll be extraordinary everything about you. is about how do I make my job better? How do I do a better job? How do I do everything with excellence? You're not an ordinary boss any longer. Now you lead with grace and wisdom and patience. You're not an ordinary spouse or an ordinary parent or an ordinary friend any longer. Amen. You give freely, love, and serve not to win approval, but to be an overflow of God's love in your life. We aren't ordinary neighbors anymore. We step out of our comfort zone. Amen. And we engage the people around us. See, it all begins when we see ourselves through the extraordinary lens of God's eyes. My last scripture for today. How does God see us? Well, here's how he sees us. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. An extraordinary connection with God produces an extraordinary identity, extraordinary security. Extraordinary joy Extraordinary confidence An extraordinary desire for God to use me God, I'm here to learn today Not just to to go through the religious routine Of punching in and punching out But I'm here today to learn And go out those double doors Empowered to make a difference in my world Empowered to make a blessing to my neighborhood Empowered to be the wife, the mother, the son, the daughter The teenager, the young adult That I need to be for God So where are you? In this transition, are you a believer or a disciple? Are you willing to pay the price to be a disciple? Do you want to be a disciple? I want to call you out from being a bored, self-absorbed believer to be a disciple who is passionately committed to Jesus Christ. I'm calling all of you here in the room and all of you watching online. Come on, let's, let's be disciples. Amen. Let's make up our minds. We're going to come to IFC, we're going to do this right. I'm going to be the best pastor you ever had. Every communicator that comes up on this this pulpit, Pastor Josh will, will preach in this series. Pastor Tom, three of us are going to be the communicators over this series. And we're going to do our very best to give you our very best, to give you what we have on the inside of you, to help you grow, to help you be the best. We're going to be honest. We're going to be real. We're going to make it so, in such a way that you can take this home and be a better person and recognize that we're living in a day that we need specific diet. We need a specific understanding we need to be taught specific things in a crazy last-day environment we got to give you the truth that enables you to be extraordinary look at the extraordinary families we have in this church that are true disciples watch their kids they're not perfect kids they're not perfect marriage but there's something about a disciple family there's something about people that'll say I'll put God first I'll serve him I'll be more like Jesus I'll be responsible. I'll pay the price. Amen. Look at their kids. Look at their marriages. Oh, I, again, they're not perfect. And, and, and I'm not suggesting that they are. But let me tell you something. There's something wonderful. I look at my marriage, my kids, my grandkids. Oh, they're by no means perfect. But let me tell you something. We've got something going. And you who are disciples, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Because there's something extraordinary about putting God first, about making up your mind. I don't want to be a believer anymore. I don't want to squeak into heaven. I want to live this life full, real, loud, clear, blessing, honoring God and honoring others, making sure I got my priorities straight. You can see this is going to be an amazing series. I want to challenge you to stay with us, challenge you to be as many parts of this as possible, challenge you to to watch with us and to stick with us and even come be with us and be in that place because I'm telling you, we've got some amazing days ahead of you, ahead of us, and I believe with all my heart that you'll be so glad that we said, you know what, it's just time now just to tell the truth in love and give it our best because that's exactly who IFC is. In Jesus' name. Are you excited? Come on, stand to your feet with me today.